Hi, this is Against Everyone with Connor Abib, a weekly podcast featuring my conversations with countercultural figures and presenting complex political, spiritual, and philosophical ideas in an engaging and accessible way. This week's guests and I are talking about porn and porn work. Uh, one of the guests is Dr. Heather Berg, who has studied and written about labor and the porn industry. The other is Sovereign Sire, who is herself a porn performer, also a stand-up comedian and a writer. And we go all over the place about the porn uh, quote-unquote industry, and I do think those quotes uh, deserve to be there, um, as well as labor concerns in porn and how those kinds of labor concerns can sometimes come up against issues of sex and culture what some of the problems of the sex work is work movement uh, face when they ignore uh, sexuality and also porn, and also what porn performers sometimes uh, ignore when it comes to labor concerns. It's really a great conversation because there are three different perspectives that all overlap. So I've worked with uh, Heather before on an article called The Problem with Sex Work is Work, where she and I sort of hash out a lot of the issues around labor and consent and the wage relationship. As you can imagine, Heather has a deep critique of capitalism. Um, Sovereign Sire and I talk all the time about pornography and her experiences in it as a performer. And she has a completely different uh, way of coming to it and uh, understanding the problems and benefits of doing porn work. And one of the things I think is really important is that when we talk about sex work, a lot of times pornography is left out. It's seen as some sort of special case, either by people who are okay with pornography and not okay with other kinds of sex work, or people who are interested in talking about sex work uh, as labor rights, but not interested in including the social phenomena of pornography. Obviously, this all has a kind of high stake in my life and my history, as well as the work that I do now. So I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. I'm going to have both these guests on, I think, individually in the future to go deeper on the topic. So uh, right now it's about covering a lot of ground. This is the part of the intro of the show where I tell you to sign up to pay for this podcast on patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib, patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib. The reason why, uh, well, I'll just link it to porn. Everybody says pay for your porn, pay for your porn because it directly affects performers' livelihoods. Uh, pay for your podcast is the new pay for your porn, at least in my life it is. Uh, I put out all this free content for everybody to listen to and I'm really excited to put it out there for free. Um, but I would love to receive the contribution um, back to the podcast as uh, you listeners are sort of invested in. So if you do think that people should pay for their porn and support the performers, especially the performers who are making it as producers themselves, then please do pay for this podcast since I am the producer, the writer, the person who does the research, who records it. And increasingly I'm doing a lot more of the editing, although I do have a lot of help from a great editor as well. So that's it. That's the whole pitch. Here we go uh, with me, Dr. Heatherberg, and Sovereign Sire talking porn work.
Hey everybody, it's Against Everyone with Connor Beeb. I'm so excited to be joined by Sovereign Sire and Dr. Heather Berg. Hello, and uh, today we're going to be talking, as I said in the intro, a lot about uh, adult work, pornography, labor, all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're all labor. They're all forms <laughs> labor. of labor. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so first I want to talk, um, so let's start um, by asking you a question directly. Okay. Um, which is, you and I both started in porn a while ago. Yeah. And then took breaks. Now you're starting up again. Yeah. I don't have any sort of like, you know, short term plans at least to get back in in any sort of serious way. Right. But it's something that I always think about doing again. Right. <laughs> so I want to first of all talk about the lapse, right? The time that we're not doing that kind of work. Right. And the sort of longing and also not longing of doing it again. Yes. And then I also want to talk about the changes. So we'll just start with you and then we can kind of all okay. jump in. Yeah. Um, I think definitely when I first, I didn't plan to sort of quit porn, just like I didn't quit, plan to sort of get back into it. It's sort of, it's just something that kind of happened because of following sort of my interests and my lifestyle and just what was going on. But definitely when I realized that I was, definitely doing way more stand-up than I was going mm. to set. And then when I started finding new ways to make income instead of from sex work so that I could pursue comedy more full-time. Mm. And when comedy started making me money and when podcasting started paying my bills, I noticed over time, or in the beginning when I, when I became conscious of the fact that this was changing, mm. um, having a bit of an identity crisis. Mm. I had always thought that the porn star persona of Sovereign Sire was kind of going to be this albatross around my neck mm. should I try mm. to do anything else. But I found that when I started doing stand-up and you know you can't just waltz in and get a special. So I mean the first, you know, you're doing it, you're a beginner, you're a novice and you're, you're not anybody in the comedy world, you're just another open micer. So, I mean, I was getting some shows and things like that because of friendships I had and because I did have a writing background. So my proficiency at comedy was, was allowing me to get shows quickly, but I still wasn't like a headliner or anything. And then when I was still following my porn friends, I realized that I missed this sort of mm. like, they were famous for something, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah. now when people are like, why are you verified? I'm like, oh, like I'm not verified for comedy, but there people are coming to me mm -hmm. as a comedian because they don't necessarily know that I did porn. Mm -hmm. So when that first started happening, yeah. I was like, oh, like who am I if I'm not like a porn star? Like then what am I famous or known for? Or I definitely had this moment of identity crisis that at least I kind of knew what my lane was. Yeah, you get, and, and you know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, you get knocked down a peg yeah. for sure. Like, yes. I mean, I think that that's true, sort of trying to start in any kind of new direction with your job. So even like writing nonfiction, and now pretty much if I write an essay, someone will publish it. Or, you know, like I can write it and send it out or be commissioned or whatever. But even just like trying to write fiction after writing nonfiction, right. like you don't actually have a foot in the door. It's really bizarre no matter how close that is. And I'm wondering, Heather, like, do you think that, I mean, we, you and I talk so much about how the problems uh, in any kind of sex work are not unique mm -hmm. to that sex work, but actually maybe there is like an identity mm -hmm. component of sex work, particularly porn work, as mm -hmm. you call it, um, yeah. that is actually presents its own unique set of problems. Mm -hmm. Or do other workers, do you think, 
uh, face those kinds of issues? Well, I think, yeah, unique set of problems, but also, I mean, part of what you're talking about is like having some purchase in an industry that most workers outside porn don't. Mm -hmm. So like problems for sure, but also what it means to like be in comedy or academia or anything else where your name actually means something. Mm. Um, and I think I've been thinking a lot about that as I'm writing about consent right now on set. And I was thinking about a, a conversation we had where mm. I was venting to you because my class sizes had gone up 50%. And you said like, God, just say no. And, <laughs> and I, 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 I would absolutely get fired. And I remember you joking, huh. like, if, if someone just like added a blowjob to a scene, like I would, there would be mutiny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, totally. So I think it seems like part of the which like seems like a, an appropriate metaphor to be honest. Yes, like yeah. more students totally. is kind of like adding a blowjob. It's yeah. like a lot of fucking work. Yeah, you work <laughs> like, like with like out right. as much pay. Right. Like, right. <laughs> not only does the pay not change, but you're no one asks even. Right. You know. So yeah. all that is to say, I think that hmm. like part of the sense of loss might be like what it means to be to lose. Hmm. Uh, your name that protects you yeah and yeah. that i mean that's really interesting because that's something that we've talked about at length like um in our and we talk about it a bit in our uh sort of joined essay interview yeah. thing the problem with sex work is work where it's like we as sex workers like we actually have a kind of I mean, all jobs suck, but we have a job that's closer to not having a job than a lot of other people have. So, right. like, there's a way in which it erodes uh, so many of the problems. So, what what you're saying, Heather, is like, <laughs> well, actually, what you're experiencing is by that sort of loss of identity is the sort of reabsorption back into the kinds of workforce situations that you had so skillfully avoided or, yes. or skillfully escaped from. Right. So it's not, and, and I noticed that too. It's like, you know, um, interestingly, you know, when I came out of doing adult or even while I was doing it and doing other kinds of stuff, I thought, oh, this is going to be such a, a sort of difficult thing to overcome, which is actually part of why I did it was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do this. So I have to be awesome. <laughs> Because if I'm not, then I'm fucked, you know, right. so, so to speak. So, but, but what I found was that it, I thought it was going to close all these doors, but in fact, it ended up opening so many doors that I never could have thought of before, you yeah. know, and I'm not saying it does that for everybody, but for me, particularly because I just decided to like own it and say, this is it. This is the name you get. There's no split here. This is me. I'm trying to be as integrated in my being as possible. People became really drawn to the other projects that I was doing. Mm, yeah, it's also created problems too. But um, but that was really interesting to me. So in some ways, I think maybe that's something that porn performers can sort of think about, um, which is, hey, if you want, you can take this aspect of it that's not uh, that's the least like work and still bring it into these other situations right. if you want to. I was while you were talking, I had. To the thing I wanted to talk about was, um, let's see, you were talking about work and then identity. Oh, it was right there. It had to do with, um, oh, opening doors. Yeah. So this idea of opening doors, which is also for me, I found in stand up, it also did porn open way more doors than it closed for me. Mm. Um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And, but then it was like, oh, this is what it is. I've had the phenomenon, right? Of, so I've had, because of the, you think it has to do with the kind of porn performer you were. Mm. Because 
I think we both kind of came into porn. Was it? I started in like 2011, like uh, like on camera. Like yeah, I started of, tw- 2008. So yeah. Okay, like yeah. like Around in the, the ballpark, yeah. right? And that was also the same time Twitter really started. Mm-hmm. Like I joined Twitter in like 2009. I've been naked on the internet since 2000. <laughs> so and, and and also around when DVDs really started fading. Out yeah, and like internet. So yeah. right, but so also Twitter was like just starting like mm-hmm. and so I mean we had Facebook and MySpace and stuff like that but Twitter definitely I mean it wasn't yet the cultural force that it is now mm-hmm. but for people like you and I that are intellectual and and um curious and just generally thoughtful people in that way you know it's a platform where we really kind of exploded like and just our pop because we're our ability to use words and to convey ideas mm-hmm. really quickly and um so, in, like, we kind of were per- part of that first crop of porn stars that were really able to cultivate their own image and their mm-hmm, own brand. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I say this all the time, but famously a director turned to me and said, can you just be more of a dumb whore on Twitter? Mm-hmm. I said, no, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And he, it would have made me more marketable. Absolutely. Me and uh, performer Cherie DeVille talk about this all the time. Like, two paths diverged on a road. And it's like, she just went with that. That's like an ultra identity. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about her. Uh-huh. I just talk the fucking baby talk. I do. I mean, she's genuinely like a super sexual person, but she, she doesn't care about what people think of her. Like, she's like more of a Superman Clark Kent type, right? Mm-hmm. So you and I, I think both kind of wear our hearts on our sleeves. I think for us, that would feel maybe intellectually or emotionally dishonest mm-hmm. to kind of be anyone but who we it are. Just wasn't, it wasn't the project for me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I think in that way, because I was able to control my brand and became known as someone that was smart, that was funny, that was serious at times, that was had an activism streak, that was interested in political ideas, <clears throat> those kinds of so my fan base that I was garnering was the kind of fan base that that moved with me mm-hmm. to other stuff. Yeah, they were like, yeah, "Of course she's a com- of course she's a podcaster." And then that podcast like exploded because mm-hmm. like an hour long where I'm talking, people are like, "Oh my god, she really is smart! Like she really is a mm-hmm. human being." Yeah. And <laughs> but the phenomenon I found was they followed me there. Then they were like, "Of course she's going to do stand up. Of course she's writing a novel." Of course, you know, they, none of that, they were willing to go there. Yeah. The phenomenon, I wonder if you get this, is having people that would be, that tell me, um, I can't watch your porn anymore. Oh, yeah. Because I view you so much now as this other huh. thing. Yeah. It's hard for me to see you in that way. And that always breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, no, like, like what? Why you you can't find me um, sexually arousing and mm-hmm. a human being at the same time? Like it was, it's always heartbreaking when someone tells yeah. me that. I'm like, no. Well, it's why? Really, yeah, it's, it's like really bro- it's really broken down into sort of different problems. So yeah, so that sure I get. I've always kind of gotten that in a way. People coming up and be like, I really like y- your b- b- blog. You know, like there's <laughs> always like. You know, and it, it it was like, you know, sometimes you could tell that they were talking about, you know, one thing and not, but, I, you know, and now, yes, because, especially because of podcasts, I get people that come up to me and say something about the podcast, but then they'll often say, they'll add this thing, you know? And so yeah. I do definitely want to come back to that as like a big chunk of this show, which is talking about discrimination based on labor politics and discrimination and stigmatization based on sexual politics. politics. But I was also thinking when you were talking about Heather being an adjunct and then becoming like tenure track and how like there is definitely a like, well, now you're human. Like now we grant you like a certain kind of status because you've left the dirty dregs of that 
of the certain kind of job, you right, know? Right, right. So you must experience that as well. Well, I'm not quite there yet. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting these, yeah, these hints of it. And um, I think, there, like, there would never be the same, the kind of, like, name recognition. And I think another thing that folks on the outside misunderstand is, like, how much power you can derive from having more than one boss. I think mm. leftists, like, <laughs> lament the gig economy all of the time, the uberization of work, all of this. Mm -hmm. um, but... Like being able to tell one boss to fuck off is really, totally. to, for lack of better word, empowering in ways that like having a single boss. So that's one thing that academia mm. will never approximate. Um, but yeah, it's certainly that's that transition to being human. One thing like hearing y'all talk about the, I don't know, being like the smart porn star. I wonder what you make of the, it seems like there's a kind of class hierarchy where some um, consumers like won't. Yeah, can't take your porn seriously, but some, it seems like, I don't know, like on the hipster left maybe are like more mm. comfortable. Yes. And then there's, you know, a handful of of performers who are the smart ones and they get profiles in different venues. Do you feel like... Yeah, I wouldn't say more comfortable. Like I would actually break that down and yeah. say like, it's just a different kind of nervousness. Right. Like they permit themselves to interact with porn stars who right. they view as smart, right? Right. And that always bothered me. So... A lot of times the journalists were like, these porn stars are more than just porn stars. Yeah. They're intellectuals too. Right. And I was always like, where's the assumption that journalists are smarter than porn stars? Like, who the fuck are you to make to this arbitrate. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? But then also always lumping me in with this guy, Colby Keller, who <laughs> I've now, you know, without, I, I do all my best to not fight with or call out other sex workers, no matter how much they irritate me online or how horrible they can get with me. Um, sometimes over specific issues. But with Colby, it was always a thorn in my side because he and I had completely different projects. Like, mm -hmm. he was making this kind of, like, I don't know, like, to me, like, really kind of shallow, psychedelic art. And people were like, oh, my God, you guys are, like, the same. Right. You know, like, he's doing queer art. And, you're, and it was <clears> like, we're not... There's nothing remotely similar about us. It's just that you who are perceiving that similarity are too ignorant and some that's the nice way of saying it too ignorant also maybe too stupid or too prejudiced to understand that like the only thing that's really in common with us is that we're doing pornography mm -hmm. and that we've done some scenes mm -hmm. together or whatever but otherwise if we didn't do that porn you would never see that similarity in us you would never group us together right. mm -hmm. and that was always really infuriating to me especially because he had this whole sort of poser thing about leftist politics, which he very clearly then didn't have. So, like, Jacobin interviews him, and they're like, what, what do you think about... Because they think he's, like, the smart porn star. They're like, what do you think about porn unions? And, or, like, can porn stars unionize? And he's like, well, I don't know. We can't really, like, organize sex workers and... You know, and I'm like, I'm literally doing, doing actually sex work <laughs> organizing with like, a trade organization yeah. for two years. So I'm like pulling my hair out when I listen to this thing. And it's because people, it's because the sort of hipster left, as you called it, like they have a different kind of <laughs> nervousness around, um, around sex workers where they find what permits them to like pornography. They yeah. find what permits them to like sex work, which you and I have talked about mm -hmm. at length that there's a respectability politics about sex workers' work because of the forefronting of labor allows people to defend sex workers mm -hmm. 
when it's like, no, but we need to actually defend sex work too. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just about like the work, like any other work component that is very important and is foundational to labor policies and to labor based revolution Mm -hmm. and economic revolution. But there's also something (laughs) about it being sex work. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you like, yeah, I was just, well, one, there's a word for that in Icelandic called kotorpakipalit, which means um, intellectual hippie trash. (laughs) 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 Was that in my struggle by (laughs) canals guard? (laughs) I don't know why, I don't know why I picked these things. (laughs) And, um, but so (laughs) when it's like, I was like, wait, there's a word that's exactly what you're like hipster left. (laughs) Um, what was the point you left on? Was Oh, I was just saying the sex work is work. Oh, okay. So I'm reading, um, I'm almost done with Bullshit Jobs. Oh, by oh, David Graeber. Yeah. Yes. Great. And it's like, I, I, the fact that we were going to do this, and I was reading this passage, I'm like, oh, this is like very prescient, is it was, I was at the very beginning of the book, I was at the end of chapter one, and he was talking about the academic who used to be a stripper that was like, oh, I should include st- uh, stripper in Bullshit Jobs because... Not necessarily that it doesn't serve a purpose, but because, you know, telling women that their top earning years mm-hmm. are 10 to the time they're 18 and 25 for like dancing on a box mm. is kind of bullshit. Like it's sort of, and he said, he said, I, I hesitate to lump sex workers, in, sex work into a bullshit job, but more like it's a job within a bullshit society. Mm. And I was like, yes, like that is, that is mm. the point. Um, and yeah, my biggest problem with the sex worker rights movement is that it does put labor to front and center because it is also sex. Mm-hmm. And that like the the fundamentals, the essential building blocks of our culture um, are, are around these attitudes around sex and sexuality mm-hmm. and gender. <laughs> and so it's, you know, I mean like, cause if like the trans rights issue, it's no one, if our true, like when people say, wait, like, there's no sexism, it's in the seventies happened, Gloria Steinem, bunny ears, <laughs> and now everything's fine. Uh, women choose to be uh, mothers and make less money and da da da. There's not all of that stuff. Like when, you know, where was I going with that sort of feminism people? keep losing my train of thought. That's okay. I've been sober for too long. <laughs> um, no, wait, that was, it so, was so you were saying, so you're, like you're talking about how, um, sex work. Oh, yeah. that, that, but the trans issues, if, if society was not intensely stratified along gender lines and like how you treated someone was like the part of the biggest part of how they're treated is based on their gender. No one would care about like trans issues. And it's the same thing with sex oh. worker rights. It's like, if, if the power dynamics mm. involved in sex exchange, the, like the best gay, like one of the best gay clubs in San Francisco is like power exchange, right? It's just like, yeah. like, like this fun, like, fundamental connection that yeah. society has made between sex and power, the Me Too movement, like the, the, you know, it's a witch hunt. Um, they, the, what was, what's the, um, the blog that's by the men's rights activist guy, like they were Kings or mm. we once were Kings or, oh, you know, gosh, it's like, you know what know. I'm saying? But it's like, awful. like all of these, you know, <laughs> It's a terrible These, name. Yeah. No, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, so wait, but but wait, before we get too um, far from that, I definitely <laughs> want to hear... Sorry. No, no, but I definitely want to hear what Heather has to <laughs> yes. respond to the point that you made. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, my thought wasn't so much on that like particular thread, but on just moving one step backwards. Yeah. Um, thinking about what y'all were saying about the kind of like the core of anti-sex work thought being like focused on the sex part so I think like keeping that on board I'm I'm also want to introduce the idea that that like part of the 
um, the anxiety around sex work is its ability or the ability of sex workers to make money outside the traditional wage relationship. And I think mm. for me, that seems really crucial. So yes, it's about it, like sex always. And I think one thing that y'all have both done as you know, smart porn stars is never to like, <laughs> like pretend that what you're doing is not fucking like that. It's not like performance mm. art or whatever you're talking about with, mm-hmm. with others. But, um, but that like part of the power and the force seems to be that like predominantly women and queers can make money without like a boss, a single boss or, um, you know, a, a husband daddy. And I think that's a, you know, I think that's a big deal. So I just want to like maintain that. Too. Yeah. And I think that like for men where the straight men where the, um, insistence is on being a provider like in the economy yeah. to instead say no like this is not going to end up being the same kind of family structure that I'm meant to provide for mm-hmm. actually what wherever else they would fall into sort of people's patriarchal hierarchical schemes in um how they view sort of intersectional power dynamics or whatever it still is a defiance of that yeah. it still is like no, I'm not actually going to be a, a provider in a nuclear family, although you might still have that, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do something that actually defies that role as well, which I think is also really challenging. And also I'm going to make less than women when I do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think, I think that there are different aspects of that that's, that are challenging as well. But I do want to say, I do want to push back on something you said. Yeah. Not, um, so for people that are listening, Heather and I, disagree fruitfully very often well you know i wouldn't even say we disagree like we just sort of like we walk around something that we might not see eye to eye on until we like it becomes productive for both of us because yeah. i don't think it's ever like no i don't think so like no. it never has that spirit right but i think that there's like and i know you'll have something to say about this sav as well that like it is performance art like it is like when 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 you say well it's fucking it's like no but it is art. Like, as far as I'm concerned, it is art. Um, it's mostly bad art. It's mostly really bad art. But in the same way that, like, um, someone performing in a play or a movie that does not have explicit documented sex in it, I would say that the co-creation between everybody is an artistic form. But it's an artistic form of its own. It's not a subset of film or performance. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if you feel that way. No, I do. I feel I'm... The thing that's most upsetting to me is the way that not even civilians, but the way um, pornographers and porn performers themselves will degrade or devalue. I hate people talking about something they love like it's not great. Mm -hmm. But Uh if you think about it, you know, when we look back at like the the earliest cultural artifacts we can find are fertility goddesses and stuff like that. So it's like. Um, and we call them, sorry to interrupt, but we call them fertility, fertility goddesses. But we don't know what the function was. They're porn. <laughs> yeah, it could have They're been a pleasure icon. It's a chick with tickle bitties. Someone's like, let's check off to this, Thor. <laughs> hey, Grog, like, look at the tits on this rock. Let's fucking, let's check off of it together, but it's not gay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. Oh, back then they didn't care. Back then they were like, oh, it's whatever. Yeah. We need to come. But um, <laughs> can you help me out? Like, what well, like, a beautiful time that must have been to be like, I gotta come. Can you help me out? Sure, buddy. Like, well, let's they go definitely fuck those they found things that, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. But let me finish. Yeah, so sorry, uh, my thing yeah. is like, so for <laughs> in my mind, um, porn is the most consumed cultural artifact in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
everyone has or mm-hmm. does use it. Everyone. Whether it's erotica, whether it's the fucking Harlequin romance novels that, that your mom would buy at the grocery store and read with a bottle of wine at night, or whether it's hardcore pornography or if it's Maplethorpe's um, fisting photos, whatever it is. Like, this is the most consumed cultural product that we, that the uh, human, human beings make. So it is, of course it's vital. It's the most vital thing we do. Like, what does that tell us about ourselves, our human nature and human beings in general, like sexual expression, sexual images, like these are essential to our sense of well being, our, our sense of humanity and our sense of self. Mm -hmm. So to have that discounted is so heartbreaking to Mm -hmm. me because it's like, no, I make the most consumed product in the world. Like Mm -hmm. respect me. Mm -hmm. Like, 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 I make something that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. Like, not even Beyonce can say that. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, her, like, like, sure. like we make something that everyone enjoys. Like, we're like Santa Claus. Of, you know what I mean? It's like, in terms of, and so for me, it's like, like, I wish that, I wish that pornographers and porn performers had more esteem in their work because what I feel like what I do is absolutely valuable. I get emails all the time from women that, Right. That I got one recently from a woman talking about she was sexually assaulted and has you know had really struggled to get her sexuality back and I've been there and I understand that it can be very difficult to reclaim your sexuality especially if you're very young when you were sexually fucked with you know and it's like it takes while other people seem to be making these normal strides in development maybe you feel kind of behind because you don't experience desire the same way or you have these caveats with it or anxieties that other people aren't talking about mm-hmm. like. But she said that watching like the the videos that I make for my OnlyFans and like I make these mm. arty kind of things and my whole rule is just like that has to celebrate the performer like that's the rule mm-hmm. and that watching these things and watching me and and then that in tandem with seeing me on Twitter and, and recognizing recognizing my humanity and that I'm clearly like have agency in what I'm doing I'm clearly smart and aware of what I'm doing that that for her has been very healing it's allowed mm. her to enjoy the porn in a way that where she doesn't feel uncomfortable right and that through that she's then gone on to find like other other performers and other types of pornography that she enjoys and like that to me is like so rewarding when you get those you know it kind of like you're just like 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 who are these people who are these sort of anti these turfs and these swerfs that to say like no, it's bad for women. It's like well, maybe if it's bad for you, you don't watch it. Well, let's you know? let's, like, let's let's up that. Let's up the ante on that a little bit and yeah. take it in the direction of labor versus an economy versus sex and sexuality as sort of the prime motivator. But but before we get there, let me just add something to it. Yeah, I like you think like porn is. Um, like sexual imagery is the oldest form of art we have, and, and also we've found dildos. Mm-hmm. Apparently, before people knew that procreative sex, that sex was procreative, so people were experiencing pleasure sexually before they knew that babies were made through right. the kinds of sexual uh, engagement that we understand today. But I want to say, like, so it's the oldest form. It's the most. Prof- it's the most profuse uh, form. It's in every culture. And it's also really porn is, you know, I think that we need to work toward a really great definition of porn, which we don't have right now, but the best one so far, I think, is porn is a way of looking. So I can turn anything into pornography if I want to. So it's a certain kind of uh, synergistic uh, engagement between me 
and the thing that I'm looking at, which forms something called pornography, because mm -hmm. I can turn, as you said, these many different things into pornography, right. including when I was a kid, the underwear section of the Macy's catalog, right. you know? Right. So like, that's what my pornography was then when I didn't have access to it. So we turn things into pornography that offer themselves up to us in a pornographic way because of our own weird desire makeup, which is very, a whole different question. And so then you have someone like David Graeber, who you mentioned before with Bullshit Jobs saying, sex work is maybe something that exists within an exploitative economy and what i think he is getting and also missing at once he's someone that writes a lot about value and culture as an anthropologist right. what has value for people right. pornography has more value for most people than than anything so even as like whether we want to call it an artifact or not this way of seeing has a real value in our lives so when we start talking about things like patriarchal structures and porn is created by the patriarchy no porn is actually cross-cultural and it's a way of approaching things that has nothing to do with the patriarchy that appears in a completely cross-gendered way as well so what we should be talking about is defining our ideas of what patriarchy is based on a deeper understanding of pornography not uh, pinning pornography down by this smaller container which is an idea of patriarchy and so I think that there's a lot going on there that needs to be reckoned with to understand the value that pornography has in our lives. And I think the main sort of conflict that Heather and I have, which has been so useful like to me in understanding her view of things, and I think useful to Absolutely. you too, yeah. has been, you know, I've been saying, and maybe you <clears throat> side with me on this, Sav, I'm not sure, but that sex and sexuality, in other words, attraction and repulsion, desire and repulsion, or desire and drive, if you want to frame it psychoanalytically, are the main sort of motivators behind culture. And I think you have the view that labor and economy mm -hmm. really are sort of underneath all that. Mm -hmm. So why don't you talk about that? And we don't, I don't want to get in like a clash because I don't do that on the show. And also I respect everything you say. So I don't want to sort of take it there. Um, it would be a first. But, <laughs> if, if we did, right, right, yeah. right. But I don't want to do that for the sake. But um, we have a we that have a third. Really we have a, we have a third here. After yeah, yeah. Five years of having this. No, but we have a third. We have a yeah. third here. So and and, and, yeah. and a loose canon at that. So right. gonna, that's right. It's a very tight canon. However you want to be described. Here, <laughs> tight canon. So, so, but will you will you yeah. sort of talk about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so like hearing y'all talk about about cultural value from a feminist anti-capitalist perspective like the alarm bells that that's ringing for me is that like in the history of feminized labor a lot of things that and of course like porn workers aren't just women but like it, i think we could say it's a feminized kind of work um but that a lot of the work that like women have done from sex work to mother work to care work, like these things have cultural value and that doesn't make the work safer. It doesn't make it better paid, you know? So I think, and, and so combining that reality with the fact that we're at this cultural moment where everything is sold back to workers as both public service and art, you know, from right. food yeah. service to, um, I mean, also all manner of degraded low wage work of which porn is not, but you know, that there's a real conflict where we have this idea that like uh, a bid for cultural value will make workers better off. And that's just not true. So my concern is that like all of this energy put toward valuing porn as a product doesn't 
necessarily pay dividends for working people. Mm. And I think that's my primary concern. So how do we have this conversation without about value while also recognizing that, you know, when people are doing a porn scene under another director or producer, I think self-produced work is totally different. But, you know, like someone's making money off your time. Well, and, you know, like a, I want to talk about the value and the... Mm the art and also acknowledge that like ankles get sprained at work and then nobody pays. <laughs> like, right. So I like trying to balance those things. Yeah. And I, I just want to, <clears throat> and I'll let you take this, yeah. um, Sav, like, but I just want to, um, intervene there and say like, well, I think one of the things that we're responding to in regards to that, I agree with everything you just said. And I think that when it has a sexual aspect to it, that's where the question of value actually gets distorted mm -hmm. compared to these other kinds of work. Mm -hmm. So even something that's like, well, you know, like even something that is like traditionally known as like atrocious work with minors, right? right. Like doing, doing resource extraction, like that's seen as having amazing cultural value, like in some way or another, like maybe we don't see it as, uh, okay, so these workers are people that we love and we see that what they're doing, but like we connect the products to something that we, that, that come from the mining, the resource extraction is something that we value in our culture. For pornography, it's actually, it's, it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's like a widely consumed thing that is considered to have no value. So yeah. even when you get people that are like generally anti-censorship or generally pro-labor rights right. or generally whatever, there's still this interference like field there that doesn't allow them to bring their ethics to it that creates some sort of weird shockwave cognitive dissonance to them. And I think that that's the struggle to reassert value here that maybe Sal and I are doing. <clears throat> I, I'm more about the way, the best way to improve, I think, labor conditions for sex workers is when they're allowed to take personal pride in their work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking about it more from a, a place of, like, when I say these things, I'm talking to other sex workers, mm -hmm. like, because I feel like the more that you value yeah. and you recognize where mm -hmm. you've internalized mm -hmm. this devaluation of the external culture, right. Like the more you suss that out within yourself and mm -hmm. push it away and go, no, mm -hmm. like I make something valuable. Mm -hmm. My work is valuable. Like I think, so I'm coming from a point of like totally. that it's, it's both things. It's like, there has to be a transformational thing going on within the worker that goes like, fuck you. You're wrong. Mm. This is important work. It makes it easier for them to say when something's happening on set that they don't like. Because they feel empowered just generally as a person. Because that, like in bullshit jobs, the thing David Graeber was getting to is like, is that these, the depression people would feel that found themselves in jobs that they felt had no purpose. Is over time it just degraded their sense of self. Like mm -hmm. they just mm -hmm. felt they felt worthless. <clears throat> they mm -hmm. like they would get so depressed they would eventually leave the jobs and go do stuff that paid less, but at least felt to them that had some purpose or meaning. Yeah. And so I think that a big part of, of labor rights, especially within sex work, is mm -hmm. in this kind of internal work, this like, I guess you would call it like phenomenology or something like that. I, I don't know what the right word would be for it, but like this kind of internal work that needs to happen, mm. like a paradigm shift that needs to happen for the workers themselves right. to go like, I make a valuable product. And by saying that, they start to have more esteem for themselves and are more likely to come together and stand up for themselves. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I feel like there has to be this inner confidence that makes them then when they get on set go, 
Like, fuck you. You didn't, you didn't negotiate that before I got here. Right. Like, and fuck that, off. And you that's know? the opposite, actually. And, maybe, and I think you can talk to this. That's the opposite of some of the messaging that's happening in sex work is work movements mm-hmm. where it's like yeah. all sex work is bad, but we're here for the workers. Right. right? And so like, and that's been said by some, some sex workers like, yeah. quite, quite explicitly. And to me, like that message is fine too. I don't mind that message exactly in so much as it is a tactical message, mm-hmm. but I do mind it when it starts to crowd out and shut down the many sex workers likes of who yeah. are saying that and then also repositions itself by saying, well, only the privileged ones say that. Right. Because I don't right. think that that's true. And I think, you know, from talking with you about this, you're like, I just can't imagine how it's going to help workers to make them feel like they need to be more miserable about their lives or their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a real risk. But I also think that new hierarchies get set up and we've, I think we've with both of you and maybe all three of us together, but have talked about what this looks like in queer and feminist porn, which seems to me like the caution case. <laughs> right, where, right. So you have folks who are like very convinced of the social value of what they're doing. Right. And I say this also as someone who's done like sex work, nonprofit work, academic work, a lot of jobs that we feel like are culturally valuable and, and do a lot of good socially can make us hyper exploitable. Yes. Um, and so that's my concern so that like we get the sense that mm. that what we're doing has merit and then on the one hand yeah that like gives the the confidence to know that your work has meaning but it also makes it almost impossible to refuse um because now we've transformed ourselves into doing you know a sort of indispensable nonprofit kind of work and it's really hard then to sign off or to say no I can't mm-hmm. do this benefit but, and I want to add something to that, which yeah. is that the feminist, so the famous line, and I forget who said it, but it a real good sneer, I think, is like, well, the difference between feminist pornography and non-feminist pornography is that the feminist pornography, like the, the performers get paid less, right? right? And so, which is 100% true. Yeah. And, um, but I want to say that when you're talking about them being convinced of the value that they have, that value is in opposition to the kind of value that Saab and I are trying to sort of reassert here, mm-hmm. which is that, well, if we get in a certain kind of current, which is essentially, in my mind, actually a neoliberal current about what kinds of sex are correct and which kinds are not yeah. and which kinds of fantasies are correct, and we need to be far more radical than that vision of things, you know, because very often it's like, well, loving you know, like it's actually just sort of like a weird monogamous stand-in for porn for queers, which mm-hmm. is so bizarre to me. Like, it's a way to wed sort of queer identity with uh, standard traditional and queer family values, which is so strange. But what what I'm seeing is like their conception of the value is completely distorted. And it's based on the problems that we're pointing out about our attitudes towards sex and sex work in the first place and how sex and sex work relate to economy. So that's, it's a, it's like a perfect storm of the, the things that you critique and the things that we, Mm -hmm. that, that I, well, I mean, I think we all critique overlapping things, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I think my thing is this thing about like, there's no such thing as queer porn. There's no such thing as feminist porn. Like, porn is porn. Mm-hmm. So if something is queer or feminist or patriarchal, it's incidental to the fact that it's pornography. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because pornography, what makes pornography, like, basically what makes pornography or erotica different from, say, like, a, a love scene in a movie or something mm-hmm. like that is that the intention, the explicit intention of 
pornography or erotica is to arouse a feeling of sexual desire within the person reading yeah. it. Mm -hmm. It's not to tell a story. It is to make your genitals like flood with blood and you know what I mean? Like, like, like the, the intention of the, the piece is now if you make it, if like food porn or something like that, it's like, we're like, we're talking about this thing where it's like, it, 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 it ignites like a, like a prurient in hunger, right? Like a irrational hunger. It's food porn. It's like, this is bad for me, but I want to eat it. But so for me, like some, like def, I've always had to trouble with the, the term feminist pornography. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if a storyline in the porn happens to center female pleasure, well, that's something that happened to have a feminist message then. But mm -hmm. the, the porn itself is not feminist. It's porn. Mm -hmm. It's sort of actually, it's sort of politically neutral. Mm -hmm. It just is. Mm -hmm. It's people engaged in sexuality. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it simply exists. Mm -hmm. It is, it has no politics and it, like it has, it has, yeah. it has no politics, it has no morals, it has no ethics, it has no opinions. It is a thing. It is porn. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is. Anything that you bring to it is like what you bring to it. And so, like I said, like queer porn, that means if there happens to be something gay in the porn, then wow, that's like, but it's incidental mm -hmm. to like the porn part of it. Porn is just porn. Well, you know? I think, well, I think that those categories are really a little weird too, because yeah. lots of lesbians watch the porn that I made. Mm -hmm. Right. So like yeah. what, whose queerness are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Whose heterosexuality, whose gayness, like. I watch straight porn all the time. Is it straight when mm -hmm. I watch it? Like right. when, when my when my focus is landing. But do you do you actually agree with that? No, you, no, you don't. No, what I, I mean, I've written about these categories as like both marketing devices and ways to extract more from workers for less. Yeah, but precisely, I agree. Yeah. Like I agree. It just yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm not yeah. maintaining. No, no, those. but I yeah. mean, do, do you agree with the porn is neutral? The effect is incidental. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I spend less time thinking about the effect part, which is uh -huh. maybe another area where we diverge, but, yeah. um, but I think it matters. So I think that, you know, part of, part of that problem is that it's something that, um, Gail Rubin says, I'm going to paraphrase her, but I really love the way she says that the she's a great feminist theorist, also an anthropologist. And she, and I really wish that we would revive her work in this moment because it's so needed, but she says like, look, like Marxism, and we can leave that part out for your sake if you want, but she's like, <laughs> like, like Marxism, um, you know, feminism is not capable of handling sex. Like sex basically will spill over everything. Right, like right. we have to stop pretending that we can go to this form of discourse to solve all our problems about mm -hmm. sex. It never should have been handed to feminists par like in, in total. Like there are aspects of it that of course need to be addressed and have been unearthed and, and shown to us and revealed to us in a really profound way. And yet, to talk about it in, as, as if there's the total answer to be found there is wrong, and it's a mistake to keep giving it over there. So what I think then is like, okay, well then this Marxism part, obviously, when it comes to sex work, is extremely instructive and has a lot to reveal to us. And then I also think there's actually just a sex part. Like... There's right. a discipline of sex. There's a there's it's not just sexology learning about it as a clinic, clinician or something, but there's a history and an understanding and a phenomenology and even ontology that's all based around sex itself that we have not even begun to articulate and the language of that discipline is pornography. So that's how we speak about it. That's how that's sort of how I 
try to approach it all, but it's lonely because there's yeah. no one else in the sex studies building with me. Well, you know? I feel like I, I feel like if, if it was like grammar, sex is kind of like serves as like adjectives. You know what I mean? It's a superlative. It's sort of that like yes, yeah, when sex and labor collide. Mm. then you need to call in some Marxists and some, like when those things collide mm. and then when sex and marriage collide, well then we need to come in and talk about like feminism and, and the patriarchy right. and stuff like that. And when sex and crime collide, mm. then we need to have this conversation about the penury system and, and, and you know what I mean? Like, like mm. that, that's because sex is like, it's like air, you know mm. what I mean? Because, and so it, I agree with that. It's like, you can't have like one discipline going like, okay, it's about this. And I think that's why, especially right now you see the sex worker rights, like why this is all coming to a head is like, first you have um, like the civil rights movement, then the feminist movement. And it's like all of, and then sort of gay rights movement and all of it still capitulates around like where sex meets labor because we're in a capitalist society where labor mm -hmm. is sort of like this huge thing that like creates our identity, our class and all of these things. And so I think that's why this has kind of become like this sort of bottleneck of all of these progressive ideas and movements over the last like say mm -hmm. hundred years like why it's like, like this issue seems to be the thing that is now really kind of, um, mm. like sort of animating, like mm -hmm. all of the, all of the failures of these different disciplines right. to kind of solve mm. the yeah, ultimate totally. problem, which is the power dynamics, right. like in our culture and it kind of across the, the world really mm -hmm. like cross culturally power dynamics mm. and, and, and what power means. Like that is like what we're really getting to, you yeah. know what I mean? And who has the right to have it, how they should behave with it. What's the fair way to use it? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of like all of these things have been trying to approach mm. this answer, but mm -hmm. haven't really kind of discussed it. Yeah. And, uh, Tarana Burke of the, that started the Me Too movement was like, this was never meant to be about calling out individual people right. for sex. It, like, it was meant to be a broader discussion about power mm -hmm. and like our relationship to it mm. as human beings mm. and, and the, this, the structure of society and, and how all of that is impacted by our relationship to power and, mm. and, and like these, these much deeper issues. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think that that bot, like, what do you think of the problem is? Why is it bottleneck around sex work so often? Well, you know, I mean, I guess what I would say to the, to what you were saying in terms of like these, these different collision points, like for me, you know, prison system, marriage, labor, all of these things are about political economy. And so maybe you would say that all of these things are about sex. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, like they're not separate questions. They're all, and, and they're all, as you say, like about power differential. Like I, for me, I think an anti-capitalist analysis can, can give us tools to get at all of those points. Mm. Yeah, well, so maybe it's a manner of saying, and I don't think we can flip this around. I think maybe some people would say, oh, it's just semantics. You can flip this statement too. But I would say that economy is a form of sex. Like I, I think that that transactional nature is a sexual relationship or the, 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 when we talk about power, we're talking about sex. We're not talking about like, it's not the reverse. Like sex is a form of power that's always informed by power and blah, blah, blah. No, I think that is actually a sexual dynamic. And one of the reasons why I say that is because sex is primary and, uh, and um, it's uh, constitutive of our existence as people. Mm -hmm. um, and we, so therefore in the same way, we could talk about maybe the sun 
in the same way if we wanted to, because everything is a solar economy, if we want to say it here, because everything is powered by the sun. There's you, None of this could exist without these sorts of like cosmic laws or whatever. But to me, that's why sex becomes primary. It's like that sexual interaction that created me um, is now echoing through every second of my life. It's in my imagination. It's in my likes and dislikes. It's in the ways that I uh, construct my... Uh, interaction. So in some weird way, I would say that this sort of thing that you and I talk about a lot, and now I'm glad that Sav is in the conversation as well, um, as a third voice for this, because you and I like sort of go around a lot, you know, and so now you, you, you're complicating it for both of us, I think, is that... Um, like we're trying to do the Marx and Freud thing that the that the Frankfurt School did tried to do a long time ago, which yeah. is like, how do we make these two thinkers um, w work with each other? We know they're both important, but we don't know which one is kind of more important than the other. Where's that tension there? And I almost feel like we're kind of just re-echoing that argument. I mean, we've just sort of been bouncing back and forth like these tangles and problems that come up for performers like in community mm -hmm. and I think that you have um, a very it's almost unique perspective in the sense that like you're one of the very few outsiders who has worthwhile things to say <laughs> about porn <laughs> workers you. I mean it's just it's they're just like yeah. there really aren't that many people that know what they're talking about and a lot of people who write about sex work they don't understand or care about porn or they pit porn against uh, porn workers against other kinds of sex workers, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I think for you, um, you know, as we just sort of last question, I want to leave it with you is like, you know, how do we view porn as fitting into this world of work mm. and, and, um, and, and viewing workers and also the work that they're doing, mm -hmm. this specific kind of work that they're doing and the specific kind of thing that's coming out of that work as uh, fitting into these questions of oppression, economy, mm -hmm. power, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll close and just say that I think that porn um, reproduces a lot of the same power dynamics, obviously, that we see in the world of straight work, but also that I think porn workers are, and I'll say this, like uniquely creative in subverting them. And mm -hmm. um, that's you know, like one of the things that, you know, that I feel like really proud that y'all think that I have something to say here. I'm sorry for like, um, for people who spend their lives writing about this and never earn that trust. And so like that really sucks. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that, that that creativity is what keeps me coming back. Uh -huh. Absolutely. So that like those, like that, that depth of analysis in the day to day, um, even as you're talking about like the choice that you just made, um, and and then also the the hustles around, um, you know, finding ways to get by that are not following any of these rules, including the ones that producers set out. Um, so I think that porn is work in that way, and it also breaks all of the conventional rules of work in ways that that straight workers should absolutely be paying attention to and emulating. Awesome. Um, I wanted well, to add like one thing, just very briefly. Yeah. Is that in the two years I took off and I came back. Um, a producer asked me like what I thought the biggest change was in the last two years. And I said that this is the first time I've come in where it's not just one girl, but every girl is calling herself an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and it's like been really beautiful to see like that transformation happen sort of while I was here to watch it. Yeah. That these, that, that 18, 20 year old girls are coming in going, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that's like, it warms my heart. And I feel like it's because of the work that we've done to, for the last 10 years to, to destigmatize yeah. that labor enough 
that at least when the girls are coming in, yeah. they're coming in like, I'm a business person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fucking awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> I will never be a business person, but I am happy to be in this conversation. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. <laughs> but everybody, thank you, thank you so much for thank coming you. to be on yeah. the show, and everybody, for thank me. you so much for yeah. listening. All right, bye everyone. Bye. So, um, no, so I want to talk about. <laughs> Your perfect butthole. My perfect butthole. I think you should cut out everything before that, but then leave in that. Just perfect butthole. As like a teaser. Okay. That sounds good.